You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversations with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I've recently created a private community for us to continue these supportive and uplifting conversations. Click the Join the Art of Parenting Community Here button on this page and I will see you there. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello, and welcome back. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host of The Art of Parenting. And today, well, I have a solo episode for you. I want to answer a question that has been coming up a lot. And so I thought I would dive a little deeper into it so that I can answer this. And we are January 2023, so I still get to wish you a happy new year. And if you're listening to this at another time of the year, well, a happy day to you. Hope all is going well. So the question that I am often getting is, what do you mean by observation? What are you talking about when you say, be a scientific observer, observe with love? So I've gotten this question, you know, from from parents in the parenting school wanting me to go a little bit more into what is the scientific observer, because there is a module on observation. And also from other listeners, where they've noticed that in our conversations, maybe with other Montessorians, we're often talking about observation. And so one person actually asked if I would do a solo episode to explain this. So here I am. So observation. Observation for me is really a kind of a perpetual mindfulness practice using all of our senses. And I say this because it is a practice, right? To be able to observe with love is a practice of being in the present moment, of letting go of judgment and comparison and expectations and all of that other kind of chatter that can go on in our minds when we should be simply observing what our child is doing. And I want to really dedicate this episode to observation because to me, it is really the foundation to understanding our child. And if you are working with uh, children, it is the tool that will help you guide those children, right? It is through the observation that Dr. Maria Montessori really was able to understand children and to understand their needs and human development and create what we call today the Montessori, you know, educational method. So it is through this lens of being a scientific observer, meaning that we really want to clear our mind 
of, you know, like I mentioned, any expectations we might have, any preconceived ideas of what our child should be doing at a certain age and such. So for one, uh, let's be open and accept another way because our child it will have different ways of doing things. Even if we have taken the time to show them, uh, you know, how to use a certain utensil or use a tool or put on socks or, or anything, they're still going to explore and they will have another way. So know that there is more to each and every situation that you can know. Right. And even with with our child, they are young and they might not have, you know, a long history, like maybe somebody older that we might be observing. But there are different, you know, circumstances or different ways that they've understood how to do something and they're going to experiment. So it's really about accepting and understanding uh, before you should, you know, make any decisions, um, to judge. So that's one it's to be open and accept another way. The other, uh, way is really to silent our mind. And I know this is a lot more, you know, it's easier said than done because there is, you know, this constant chatter in our minds of what we should and should not be doing and what's on the to-do list and, and all of this. But at some point in the day, and if you can several times a day is to really let it go by. And, and I have this beautiful image of a blue sky, right? Where there's just a few clouds just slowly going by. Let those thoughts just go by. Let that chatter just go by as if you are watching that blue sky with the um, clouds going by so that you can be in the present moment. Make each thing that happens the only thing you think about. Leave outside life outside. The other is this, you know, notion of being non-judgmental. And this is really about putting aside all interpretation, uh, prejudicism, biases, stereotypes, assumptions, judgment, and personal preferences when you are observing. And this is a specific, especially true when we are observing uh, other people's children, right? Because as guides as teachers, as caregivers. Uh, sometimes we are in a environment where there will be other people's children and so forth. And if we can really see each of them as full-fledged individuals and, and also your own child, because I think we bring sometimes to our observation, our own experience as a child, maybe at that age, and, and such. So really letting go of that uh, judgment. And then this idea of this being a scientific observer. And this, this uh, kind of terminology comes from actually one of uh, Dr. Montessori's book where she talks about a um, botanist, a biologist who was observing butterflies and really 
you know, understanding their whole kind of life cycle and how they were uh, laying eggs on these uh, leaves that were then going to renew and be very soft. So when that the uh, cocoon opened, I mean, it was it was it's just fascinating. And I and I the the name escapes me, but I will put everything in the show notes. But it's that that idea of really observing with this scientific mindset where where we know nothing right where we're just learning from from watching so really accept what is happening just the facts of reality as it is occurring and later you can use this gathered information to make any conclusions or any changes in the environment the other thing is to be objective right try to have no feelings no personal emotion uh, the the whole is important, just as the details are. It is a privilege to observe a human being and to see their process. So respect, respect it and respect every child as you observe. The other idea is to see and listen, right? When we are observing is to see children for exactly who and what they are, for the actions they take and listen to the exact things they say, the sounds they're making. Fight the temptation to give a quality or name to everything you see or hear. And this is, this is interesting because even when, uh, you know, we write notes about observation and I actually have prepared a little guide and journal that I will put in the show notes for you to download that is really where we can, you know, we we have a method of of writing things down. But here, what is really important is to, you know, to fight this temptation of knowing what the child is doing. So, for example, if a child is uh, walking, you know, towards something, avoid saying the child is wor- walking towards the window or towards the. Uh, the shelf because you don't quite know yet until they have gotten to the destination. So maybe, you know, describe how they're walking, but you don't know what the end goal is until they have actually gotten there. So that's, that's a little detail, but even, you know, sometimes it's, um, I don't know, you could, you could almost, you know, say, oh, the child is sad or happy. You don't know that for a fact. You can, you know, describe the facial expression, but you don't know what the actual uh, emotion is going on. So minor detail, but, but still important in being that scientific observer. And then the other thing is really, you know, as, as the title of this episode is called, is to observe with love. We can only transform a way of seeing through love, This kind of love means having interest, respect, responsibility, and knowledge. So it's really about, you know, having this mindfulness practice of observing. And when I say observing, we're not always just observing the child. We're not, you know, only observing our child. We're also observing ourselves. What are what is coming up for us? What are the reactions that we are feeling? What is the sensations we're feeling, right? Are we, are we warm? Are we cold? Are we, you know, what mood are we in? Are we smelling something? Um, 
there's just there's there's just so many different senses that go on to our observation and so we observe with love the the child or the other adults in the environment we observe ourselves as how maybe we are reacting what emotions are coming up for us and we observe the environment because the child and ourselves are interacting in an environment. And this is to me, you know, a very important tool in how we can transform the environment, transform our homes to really meet our child's needs. If we are observing with an open mind, right? Without without judging ourselves, oh, or, oh, you know, it's messy, or it's so cluttered, or whatever. No, we're watching how the child is interacting with the environment. And if they are having maybe a hard time finding something, or something is too high, or, or such, we're making notes as to what we can do to make it a little easier for them to get to the material that they want and to, you know, to have an easier time. So that is the beauty of observation. It helps us, you know, in a way better ourselves. It helps us uh, really guide and really follow our child and really follow their unique needs. And it helps us adapt the environment to ease um, this process of adaptation that our children are going through. And so, you know, the other thing is what what are we observing? What is it that we observe? So there there is a long list uh, in the the guide and journal that I prepared for you, and a lot of it is taken from um, Simone Davies' book, The Montessori Toddler. And it's also all the things that we learn as Montessorians in our training. And so here we're really observing um, a variety of things, right? We are observing uh, the fine motor skills, right? How how are they grasping and holding an object? Which fingers uh, are being used? Which hand is being used? What grip uh, are they using to maybe hold a paintbrush or a pencil? And from there, again, we're able to maybe give them different activities that are going to help them master a skill that, um, you know, they're, they're trying to, to master. And maybe also, you know, we're, we're observing what fine motor activities are they choosing, uh, from the shelves that we have put out. Again, this observation is really helpful for us to, to rotate some toys, because this is another question I often get is, you know, how often should I be rotating the activities on the shelf? And for me, there is no schedule to it. It's really through observation that we're able to do this, because there are going to be some activities that the child is repeating every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, you know, God forbid you take that off the shelf because they are driven to repeat this activity because there is something in their inner knowing that they need to master there. So that's why they're repeating. If there is an activity that seems to be 
uh, not touch ever, then maybe that is something to, to trade out. Maybe it is, it is either too challenging or not challenging enough, like they've already mastered it and they're not interested in it anymore, at least for the time being. You might, you know, bring it back a few weeks later with one aspect of it that is altered and suddenly they're going to you know, think it's a whole new activity and work on that again. So that is, again, why observation is so important in how it will, it's going to be a tool to help us create the proper environment for our child. We also observe gross motor, right? We are, how are they, you know, coming to sit and stand? Are they, you know, are they comfortable, for example, on a chair? Are there feet, you know, touching the ground? Are they, is the chair too awkward for them to get into? All of that. Those are things that you are just observing with, with love. You're just being a scientific observer. You're, you're taking mental notes or you have a little notepad that, um, you know, you're, you're taking notes in or you're taking some mental notes and, and, you know, when you can, you write it down. That is really what that whole process is is helping us is to enhance and adapt the environment how are they walking you know are are there uh do they have a good stride a good balance and again here i said good so i'm 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 <laughs> i'm putting a label to it which i shouldn't it's just we're we're just observing how they're walking the distance of their feet their hands and so forth um what gross motor skills are they practicing? Because here again, you know, if we see them maybe uh, climbing at home and that, uh, you know, climbing is not the safest thing to do at home because it's not properly set up, then we know that maybe we need to go out and find places to climb more or, you know, maybe we need to put something uh, outside or something safe, you know, in our homes for them to climb. Because again, these are all natural means that our children go through. So we, when we observe this, we're able to really satisfy that need in our children. Um, again, are they choosing activities uh, which use gross motor skills? You know, they might be only interested in fine motor and that's, that's perfectly fine. They go through different phases because they have different needs. And again, here we're asking ourselves, does the environment help or hinder movement, gross motor movement, fine motor movement? Uh, the other thing that we observe is communication. What are the sounds, the words that they're making to communicate? Are they smiling? Do they cry? What is the intensity of their cries, the duration? What other body language are they using? How are they expressing themselves? Um, are they making eye contact during conversation? And here, just a, a little parenthesis for me, before three, there's very little eye contact because as I've mentioned before, and, and, you know, as we know, the child, the first six years are in this phase called the absorbent mind, right? Where they are just soaking in all of this information. But the first three years, they're doing it very unconsciously, really being driven by a life force. And it is only until 
maybe around two and a half, three, where they become aware that there are other people and they actually, that's when we start seeing more eye contact. And, and it's fascinating to, to witness that and to observe that. Uh, because you really see kind of this this awareness uh, in their eyes that they they realize there is somebody else there. So that's something that we observe, right? Um, what languages are they using? Because sometimes when we're working with uh, other people's children, there are multilingual families. So you know, observing what language is uh, predominant and so forth. And again, you know, and I, I sound like a broken record, but it really is about just noticing, no judgment, just noticing what is before us. Um, and how are they responding to when we communicate with them? So that is, you know, a few things that we can be observing in their way of communication. Then there's a whole also, you know, cognitive de development, like what are they interested in? What are they, you know, asking questions about? What are they fascinated with? What are they practicing, learning to master? Which, again, which activities do they complete or that they're choosing to do? Um, and how long do they play with an activity? So those are all things that we can be you know, taking notes on and, and observing because, again, it will help us guide us in um, how we uh, adjust the environment for them. There's also social development, like how are they interacting with other uh, people, with their peers, with adults, uh, with you, uh, with other adults? Uh, do they observe others? Uh, children are amazing observers. And that's one thing that I love about the Montessori uh, environments is that observation we know is part of their learning. So there is, you know, we actually have a grace and courtesy lesson around observing. And we observe with our hands behind our back because we don't want to be tempted to touch our um, classmates' work but we, we learn so much from observing. And, and I've experienced this where, you know, children would observe me giving lessons to other children or observe older children working with a material. And when it was their turn to have a lesson, they already knew so much because they had observed. So again, you know, are they observing others? Um, are they asking for help? Um, and how are they providing assistance to others as well? So again, this is kind of some social development uh, aspects that we can be observing. There's also the emotional development that we can be um, observing, right? When does the child cry, smile, laugh? Um, how do they get comforted or comfort themselves? Um, how do they respond to strangers? How do they deal with moments of separation? Um, how they manage when things do not go their way? Those are, again, we're just taking note, no judgment, no comparison. We're just seeing them for who they are, right? Uh, we can also be observing eating. How, how much, what are they eating? Um, are they, you know, passive, active eater? Do they uh, self-feed? 
and so forth. What do they have, you know, particular taste and such. And again, we're just observing. We're not labeling, uh, you know, picky eater, shy, all, all of those. Those are, are labels that we put on children that we do not need to put on, on labels. We are simply observing and taking notes. And then there is also sleep, right? Where we're observing sleeping, uh, or do they have a good, you know, a sleep pattern? Again, not good or bad, just what are their sleep pattern? Um, how do they fall asleep? Uh, can you tell the quality of sleep? What position are they when they sleep? And uh, how do they transition to when they're waking up? And again, we know that all children are very different. Some will, you know, wake up with a smile ready to go and others will take a, you know, a long time to kind of come out of that slumber. So again, we're just taking note because then we're going to be able to also adapt ourselves, right? Because this is going to bring up maybe some emotions in ourselves. If we are in a hurry or whatever, we, you know, we might get annoyed. So if we know and we've been observing that our child takes a long time waking up, well, maybe we need to get ourselves completely ready uh, before we wake them up so that we can have the patience to let them come out of their slumber on their own timeline. So I I hope that I'm getting to the point of how important observation is, right? And how important it is to just notice things for what they are. The other, you know, another few things to observe is independence, um, our relationship to the adults, uh, signs of independence, like are they, you know, do they go about their business? Do they need to be around adults all the time, so forth. Again, we're just noticing. Another very important um, thing to observe is clothing, because to me, this is part also of the environment. Like, does the clothing help or hinder movement and independence? And so this, you know, I'll give you an example. For example, when uh, young children are maybe going through uh, toilet independence, so they are learning to you know, take care of their bodily functions. Well, if they have clothing that is hard to get off, like there's belts and buckles or, or, you know, suspenders or things like that, they're going to have a harder time. So if we're seeing that, then we know that we can maybe, um, you know, change the clothing and uh, suggest just, you know, elastic waist uh, pants for a while to make things easier for them. And, and, you know, are they, are they trying to put on their clothes on and off? Like, are they practicing that? Are they interested? Because again, this is, you know, the road to independence and we can set activities up. I've often, you know, suggested to families to have a little baskets of socks, like so that they can practice putting on socks. Because oftentimes we put ourselves in a situation where, we're expecting them to get dressed on their own, but they've never really had time to practice. And we often, you know, are wanting them to get dressed when we're limited for time and it's time to go. And so then we get a little flustered and we end up dressing them. So 
it's kind of a vicious circle. They never get the opportunity to practice and become independent that way. So, but those are all things that we're going to notice if we are observing. Okay. And maybe also how do they express preferences for their clothing? Um, and again, you know, let's respect that if, if they only want to wear dresses or only want to wear pants or shorts or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's important to, to respect that. And this is a personal anecdote, but as I'm sharing this with you, I'm remembering how my, both my children, um, I have one child who is always hot, like they, 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 you know, their, their thermostat is always on high. So always, you know, sleeveless t-shirts and shorts. And then the other one, complete contrary, needs to have three layers and a hat and socks and so forth. And that's just an observation. I'm not going to say like, you need to, you know, put on three sweaters when that's not what they're comfortable with. So again, super interesting to just observe and to not, um, you know, put our, our judgment of the situation on them, at least when they're able to, to make those independent choices. And then lastly, and I've mentioned this before, it's really about observing ourselves, right? Uh, and it's also listening to our tone of voice and what are we saying to the children? Um, and, you know, that we are, we are taking notes of our own attitudes, how we are maybe communicating to other adults in front of them, um, how we responding to our child if they're not eating or not sleeping, things like that. So taking notes, observing ourselves, again, no judgment. <laughs> We're just taking notes so that we can in the long run, you know, notice what is working and not working and how we can maybe seek, you know, support or help or, or read some books or, or whatever, but we're just noticing. So, and then also like, is, is, are there any emotions that are coming up when we are observing the child? So that is really a, overview of observation, right? What it is. And it's really, for me, it's, it's like I said in the beginning, it's this perpetual mindfulness practice, right? Using all of our senses and just being in tune to the present moment to really be able to just observe our child, ourselves, the environment for what it is, right? And then um, I did want to share a little something, and this is actually in the guide and journal, but in the parenting school, um, you know, we, we have plenty of videos and such, and I talk about the observation, and then we do have ongoing uh, mentoring calls. I do some uh, mentoring calls weekly, but there's one mom who had actually shared in our private Facebook group about how she had observed that her son really wanted to pour uh, his own milk in his cereal bowl in the morning. But, you know, it was difficult because it was a big jug of, of milk. And she had observed this and, you know, 
she knew from from the course that it you know it's when we observe this maybe we just need to change a little something and you know maybe put a little bit of milk in a little pitcher a little creamer so that it's going to be easier for the child to be independent and pour the milk but she observed in herself that she was like oh my gosh i you know no i don't want to have to wash another <laughs> pitcher and such. And then she pushed herself to actually adapt the environment for her child. And oh my gosh, the beauty of seeing his satisfaction of being able to do this task independently is well worth it. And it's well worth washing that uh, little pitcher and having just one more thing uh, to wash in the dishes. So, you know, beautiful example of observing our child, the environment, and ourselves kind of blended together and how sometimes, you know, we we can be an obstacle to their independence. So being really mindful of that. So I hope that this uh, was informative about observation and for me, it being really the most important tool to master uh, as guides and as parents to be able to really nurture our child's full potential and to really be able to create an environment where they're going to be able to navigate and adapt uh, with more ease to their time, place, and culture. And again, as I mentioned, there is a guide and journal in the show notes for you to download. There's a little example of uh, kind of a journal, some journal prompts of how to uh, observe and such. And do not hesitate to reach out to me um, and let me know if you have any questions. Alrighty, until next time, take good care. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone. And you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, 
learning, and family harmony. And find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. And do come share your takeaways in our private Facebook community. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.